Welcome one and all to episode 163 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we are back after a little break. Uh, you had a you had to actually go to school for like the first time ever. And so <laughs> it was it was an unintentional break. Um I was in Minnesota in Minneapolis. Uh and my hotel Wi-Fi just could not support any type of quality recording. So um rather than try and splutter through a show that we probably would have had to scrap anyway, we just uh kicked it a week. We did uh get an article up on on Patreon now. So uh if you're a subscriber there, thank you very much. Um that article we put that on the two dollar tier so that everybody could could partake. And it seems like Seth, you plan on that being a weekly deal. So if you get on the four dollar tier, you'll be able to get our bonus episode, which usually comes out on Thursday. You'll be able to get Seth's article, which will come out later in the week, and you'll be able to get my box score scouting articles, which will come out uh, usually the Monday after we've had a week of college football. So, Seth, we did not get a chance to preview week zero. Uh, fortunately, there weren't a lot of headline marquee games, but we will talk about some of the mar- of the uh, week zero performers on Patreon this week. But tonight, we're going to preview the real deal, the opening of college football week one. Yeah, it's it's the start of college football and i'm lucky enough i'll be in las vegas uh on saturday so if you need me uh i'm not going to be available but it'll be it'll be fun for me um and and i mean it's good for you to be in vegas with your uh with your wife who's a notre dame fan uh (laughs) so that you'll have some distractions from the inevitable uh waxing that ohio state's gonna put on notre dame on saturday night well, and it'll be good for her because she can be housed while they're getting housed. So, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, but week one really starts with an interesting Thursday night game. And, and there are other games, but these are the ones, you know, we kind of focus on with with prospects that we can talk about a little bit. And Penn We're really State, looking at the games where two ranked teams are matched up for the most part. But this is a, a, a our only... A game that we're previewing, it's a matchup of unranked teams. Yeah, and and it starts with Penn State at Purdue. And, yeah, neither team ranked, but two veteran quarterbacks take the field. Sean Clifford, who we've talked about too much, um, it's amazing that he's he's still the guy in, in – in Death Valley, um, oh, <laughs> Happy man, Valley, Happy Valley. Sorry, I was thinking of what happens when quarterbacks go to play at Penn State. Yeah, no, when quarterbacks go to play at Penn State. Yeah, right. Death. But uh, Happy Valley, yeah. But they have a couple receivers, and he, you know, that I can't take anything away from Clifford and the fact that you know, Jahan Dotson, um, the. Uh, Pat Fryermuth a couple years ago, like he's had day one and two guys that he's thrown to and, and still able to help them get drafted. So, you know, yeah, I mean, he I has to tank their draft stock. That's for sure. Right. So, but they have a, a senior transfer from Western Kentucky, Mitchell Tinsley, and then a junior that's been there, Parker Washington. And, 
you know, it'll be interesting because we're going to get a a good look at both of these guys as well as a junior cornerback from from Penn State who has had some first round buzz in Joey Porter Jr. Yeah, I mean, he he's first of all he's got the NFL bloodline. He's uh his father of course was linebacker for the Steelers for a long time. Tormentor of my uh, Cleveland Browns, and Joey Porter Jr. has the size that everybody's gonna like: six two, one hundred ninety eight pounds. He's he's athletic, and he is really getting a lot of love on that defense for Penn State. So we saw a couple of Penn State guys go early last year, including the defensive end Arnold Ebikati, and uh, Joey Porter Jr. looks like he's on track to be an early pick. I want to talk about Aiden O'Connell real quick, uh, Purdue quarterback. He is back after completing 71.6% of his passes. Uh, had 8.4 yards per attempt and 28 TDs, 11 picks. You know, he's not going to give you the mobility that Sean Clifford gives you, but I think he's already probably considered a better passing prospect. And I know that the Shrine Bowl guys are already uh, tweeting it out about Aiden O'Connell. So O'Connell looks like he's a player who could end up on that Shrine Bowl roster, and that puts him into the day three conversation. I, I personally don't think either one of these quarterbacks is going to be drafted, but if if I had to pick one that will be like a late round, late day three pick, it would be O'Connell. O'Connell's good size, too. They list him at 6'3", a little over 200 pounds. So, I mean, he's a little bit um, – he's a – well-built player, I guess, is the best way to put it. But they're both fifth-year guys, right? At least fifth-year guys? Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, Seth, you're the gambling man. Penn State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite per the score app on uh, the day we're taping right now. Um, they're on the road. It's a night game. It's Thursday. Things get kind of wonky. Are you buying? Do you think Penn State walks out of here with a victory, or do the Boilers, uh, the Boilermakers, hold the fourth down in West Lafayette and walk away with an upset win in Week One? Well, you know what's interesting about this is that if you look at it from a prospect point of view, and I know that doesn't mean anything with gambling, but a prospect point of view. The reality is Penn State's the better team. And three and a half points feels light. Uh, Purdue's lost so many weapons on offense and defense the last couple of years. It's not like they're bringing out a bunch of, you know, like even David Bell, obviously Ronda Moore a couple of years ago, George Karloftis last year as well. Like they, they don't have those guys in tow. However, like you said, it's, it's the first game of the season. It's Thursday night. O'Connell has been a good quarterback in his career. Like, I, I don't – like a good Especially quarterback. Especially last year, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to take anything away from him. And those are really the difference makers in this game. All that being said and, – and here's and you said it earlier. O'Connell, I feel like, is a better quarterback than Clifford. Yeah. Um, all that being He's said – He's a better passer. He's a better passer. Right. I, I mean, I just feel like Penn State has – too much talent to to not win this game like that's just what it feels like doesn't it well 
You know, on the flip side, though, Boilermakers, 9-4 and four last year, including 6-3 and three in conference. And they've got a chance to challenge for that West Division title. We saw last weekend Northwestern, Nebraska. We'll talk a little bit more about that on Patreon. But uh, those two teams were both considered, well, Nebraska is always one in the even-numbered years that, that uh, competes for the uh, – Western Division Championship. Nebraska, Kirk Herbstreet picked them to win the Western Division before they got beat by Northwestern the other day. Purdue's the team that has a chance to kind of sneak in there. You know, 9-4 and four last year. They had a really good season. Penn State uh, was 7-6 and six last year, and the year before the COVID year, they they weren't very good either. Yeah, so They were awful. Yeah, yeah it's just, this, and, this is a downtime for Penn State. I actually think the Boilers have a shot. I think they're going to upset Penn State this week. I wanted to mention real quick on uh, Parker Washington just cuz like he's a day 2 looking receiver right now. But mm-hmm. one of the it, really interesting things about him and you and I talk a lot about the size of receivers and we've talked about, you know, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. You go to like even like a Jackson Smith and Jigba who's a little bit bigger than those guys at at 6 foot 195. Uh, you know what is that about 10 pounds heavier than than Olave and and, and Wilson right um, you know Jordan Addison six foot 175 really interesting about Parker Washington and obviously we always take these these size measurements with a grain of salt from the from the schools but Penn State typically puts out some freaky athletes as we've talked about Washington's listed at 5'10", 215 pounds. Like, you don't see that Yeah, that's very a running often. back build. That's, that's right. like the James Washington or uh, maybe like Amari Rogers, a little taller than that. But those kind of guys that... Right, the little you, thicker... Yeah, you just don't see that very often with with wide receivers. And, I, you know, I I didn't... Honestly, I did not look up if he tested coming out of high school. Um, but you know, you have to assume a Penn State guy is going to be like a sub four or five at least, right? Well, we talked about if you go back to the Big Ten preview, we did uh talk a little bit about Parker Washington, um, on that show. So you and that was on this stream, you don't have to be a patron to uh to hear that. So you can go back and listen to us talk a little bit more about Parker Washington, but uh, yeah, he, I mean, he's going to be expected to test pretty well. As but yeah, it's do just it's, many of the Penn State athletes. It's just odd, not odd, but I guess just in the way that wide receivers have come out lately, it's, it's he's just a different build. Um, and then Joey Porter Jr. The reason people love him so much is because they're always looking for that that six two, two hundred pound corner. And again, that's what Porter's listed at. Like he's a guy with great size. So, um, and he's a the son of a former NFL player, which everybody's always looking for. As well. So Washington, we'll give you some numbers here. 37 inch vertical, 45740, 413 short shuttle at 201 pounds coming out of high school, as we've talked about dozens and dozens of times. That 40 time is typically the easiest thing for an athlete to improve upon. And 37 inches combine training is freaking impressive, dude. It's good. That's that's. Yeah. That's lower body explosiveness, 201 pounds. He's 14 pounds heavier. He's in that Penn State strength training program. So you're looking at a guy who's going to run under 4.5 when it comes down to it. So uh, no concerns about the athleticism. 
it'll be interesting to see how he projects to the pro level because we we haven't seen the guys with that, that build. It seems like Dan Phil's kind of confused sometimes how to use those guys. Right. Um, they don't. They don't project player. Well. Right. He's gonna be a slot player, or they're gonna be tempted to. You know, if he goes, I think he's only a junior, but if he goes to, if he stays another year, goes to the senior bowl, they're gonna be handing the ball off to him in practice. Right. See if he can play <laughs> running back. I mean, it it gets kind of wonky with guys with that build, but he's gonna he's not gonna want for athleticism. So. We get to Saturday, and we got some just massive matchups. I'm going to go kind of um, by when they're going to kick off so okay. we can kind of look at those um, as we go through them. So the first one of the day, and I guess these kick off at the same time, but uh, Cincinnati at Arkansas. Arkansas comes in again recording this one on a Monday night. Uh, they come in at six-and-a-half-point favorites. Cincinnati's got a new quarterback, an old. We should mention this is two ranked teams. Yes, uh, number twenty-three Cincy, Arkansas coming at sixteen in the preseason AP. So um, that's our starting point. Yeah, and and Cincinnati has a new old quarterback in Ben yeah. Bryant, who's was with Cincinnati, um, lost out to Desmond Ritter I, nine years ago, or however long Desmond Ritter was around. Ritter seemed like one of those guys that was around forever, didn't he? Uh, went he to, was, yeah, he seemed like he was around for longer than he was. He went to Eastern Michigan. Now he's back. Um, he's starting, but we might see a redshirt sophomore, Evan Prater, um, get, some, get some run as well. So, you know, it's not necessarily going to be the Ben Bryant show, but it, it probably is at least early in this. Um, and then you look at it, and they've got, they they lost a lot. Let's. I mean, there's no way around it. But they have a guy that's on a, that was on a Bruce Feldman's freak list, tight end Josh Wiley, and um, he's expected to kind of break out this season. After I I don't want to say he hasn't done much, but you know he's he hasn't been hugely productive. I will say this about Wiley. He's the last two seasons, so his sophomore and junior year, he put up six touchdowns each year. He's averaging over 12 yards a catch both those seasons. Pretty consistent performer those years. Both, you know, average about 27 catches, 350 yards, and six touchdowns. Which, when you factor in that he only had 27-ish catches each season, and he had six touchdowns, he's a red zone threat. Like, he's a guy that gets the ball in the red zone. and, And so, but going back with Bryant now you might see him used a little more right because he'll be the security blanket early on in in Bryant's career yeah you have Alec Pierce uh moving on to the NFL so a lot of people feel like Wiley might become the primary target in this offense and they have a receiver and uh I believe it's uh, Tucker who's going to get some a lot of targets as well uh, I wrote about Cincinnati on, on Patreon, so if you're in the $4 tier, you can go back and check out that preview. But um, they still have quite a few draftable NFL prospects on their team, but they lost a lot, like you said. Um, Wiley is heavily, heavily on Jim Nagy's radar for the Senior Bowl. He's very high on, on uh, Wiley. And I think... 
you will see an improvement on those raw counting stats. But, you know, Wiley's a tall, skinny, flex tight end guy uh, in the mold, you know, body type wise of like what Kyle Pitts looked like coming out of Florida. Right. There's not a lot of 6'6", 240, and he looked thin. Uh, That's Wiley's going to come in about that. And uh, but not nearly the production that Pitts put up, but he's going to have apparently going to have similar type of uh, athleticism. So one to watch out for. I don't think he's going to be as fast as Pitts, but he's a he's clearly an athletic guy. If you just if you've watched Cincinnati passing over the last couple of years, you've probably scored or seen him score a couple touchdowns. They take on Arkansas, Uh, Arkansas hosting. He's. They're the favorites, and there's two guys we want to talk about here. First one, we'll talk about the or the Oklahoma, excuse me, Oklahoma transfer, Jaden Hasselwood, who's going to get the Trey Traylon Burks role. Um, and and it's a two way street on this, right? You and I are we're not huge Burks guys in terms of his um. NFL outlook and as a first round type of talent. However, his work at Arkansas and what he did in that system over his final two years, his sophomore and his junior year are unquestionable. And he, he turned into a a game wrecker and Jaden Hasselwood is listed at six, three, about two Oh five, 20 pounds lighter. Um, He's in his fourth year. He had a decent freshman year, and then he had a decent second sophomore year last year, but kind of phased out in the same way Spencer Rattler was, right? Like, all of a sudden wasn't one of the main guys. And so it's going to be interesting to see because what we know about Arkansas is that they have a great college quarterback. And I do mean great college quarterback um i'm not saying he's a great prospect or anything like that but like what he's done at arkansas and that's of um of course kj jefferson sorry what he's done at arkansas i think is gets really overlooked because he's at arkansas right like people kind of sleep on jefferson and what he's done in his career now he's a fourth year junior so that's obviously going to be something that we'll talk about. He didn't really break out until last year, um, but completed over 67% of his passes, just under 2,700 yards, 21 touchdowns, so only four interceptions. But of course, he brings a ton to the run game as well. At, you know, added another 664 yards and six touchdowns rushing. So, you know, you look at it combined, he threw for 21 and. Sorry about that. That's an ad. (laughs) Uh, You know, he threw for 21, ran for six. It's just a like, again, he's a great college quarterback. Um, And when you make that statement, that does tend to have some negative connotations, right? Because typically you look at those guys and say, well, I don't see them translating to the next level. Isn't I and is do you think that's what's going on with KJ Jefferson? I think that's probably what some people how some people feel about KJ Jefferson, but to me, he it's why isn't he getting more 
attention? Why isn't he getting more hype? Because I, I think it goes beyond um, him being a very good college quarterback. And I think he's got the tools. Uh, he's 6'5", 240 uh, or, or so. And with a good arm, with, as you mentioned, the athletic running ability that uh, NFL scouts want to see in quarterbacks these days. You know, when you've got a guy that big, he, that can run and can move, and he's not turning the ball over much at all. He's very protective of the ball. Um, I think they'd like to see him spread the ball a little bit more. Uh, he was very laser-focused on getting the ball to Burks, it seemed like, over the last couple of years. But K.J. Jefferson, to me, he should be in that conversation over some of the guys that that uh, are – that are getting the hype, like Will Levis. Like, why well, I, isn't K.J. Jefferson, who's in that same conference, who I think did a better job taking care of the, the ball and has at least the same level of physical tools, why isn't he getting talked about like Will Levis? He's younger, too. Well, and that's what's going to be my next question. Like, when you look at when you look at Jefferson and he's not getting the same kind of attention, like you said, you mentioned Levis, but like, what about even like an Anthony Richardson out of Florida? Well, I think Richardson is more of a dynamic athlete uh, than either of those two guys. So I think that's where you're, you want, there are people that really want to project Anthony uh, Richardson, but with Jefferson, you don't have to project as much because you've already seen better passing. You've already seen him, you know, in the run game. You've seen them have to lean on him in big games where he's come through too. So, you know, I'm a kind of pump the brake on Richardson guy. Uh, I'm definitely a pump the brakes on Levis because he's going to be an older prospect. And I, I've seen him way back to his Penn State days. He turns the ball over too much still. And he's just kind of, I think he's gotten kind of social media famous by eating the banana with the peel and putting mayonnaise in his coffee, that kind of stuff. It's funny, but I mean, it, it, it's, I think it subconsciously seeps into some quarterback ratings. They say, oh, this is a fun guy. This is a, a guy with a lot of personality. He gets a bump for that. KJ, he's a more quiet guy, but I think he, you know, it comes down to prospects and it playing quarterback and tools and things like that. I think he's, better right now than either one of those two guys and certainly Richardson has a level of athleticism that could you know see, we could see him thrive in Billy Napier's offense this year and and uh surpass KJ but look what KJ's done and what he brings to the table as an athlete and as a passer I think he should be getting more hype he should be uh being discussed in that borderline first round day day two area the next game on the list is, I don't, because they gr agree to these games so far in advance, right? But this is like perfect college football drama week one, right? Number 11, Oregon, at number three, Georgia. Um, you've got the former defense coordinator of Georgia, Dan Lanning, who... I don't want to take anything away from Lanning because I think he's a very intelligent, good defensive guy. But, I mean, Kirby Smart's the, the kind of brains of the defensive operation there, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, Oregon got enough of Lanning to give him the head coaching job at Nike U, so. And then, and then 
Georgia's going to see Bo Nix <laughs> if he's the starter. Probably. I mean, we're not, we're not most, 100% most sure. Most likely, yet. yeah. But that's also the reason it's hard to pin down. Um, I'm, I'm double checking right now, but it's hard to pin down. There's no line on this game per score still. And so you look at it. Do they really think this is a toss up? Or your, like what? I think it's just the not. the quarterback situation. I think is it's Oregon not naming a starter, making it so that they don't want to put a line up. Yeah, I think that's more what it is, man. I don't think they want to. I don't think they want to put any money out there because I don't think they can put the hot line high enough right now. <laughs> Too many people would jump on it. Oh, there is a line now, 17 and a half. Oh, wow, 17 and a half. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that's tough, man. I mean, how often, and we'll talk about this in our next game, but how often is a matchup of two top 12 teams that lopsided? Um, but the Ducks went in last year and, and beat up your Ohio State Buckeyes. But this is a hugely different situation, right? New coach, yeah, new quarterback. Oregon came into uh, Columbus last year. Remember, C.J. Stroud was starting his second game ever. We found out later he was dealing with a shoulder injury during that game. Um, so... This is a completely different situation. You're going against the national champs. You got Stetson Bennett's back. I, I mean, they're, even if you, they're ninth year quarterback. Yeah, and even if you don't think he's a good NFL prospect, that's beside the point. He was the national championship quarterback for that team. He runs the the team the way they like it, and they still, even though they have uh, lost a lot of guys on defense, they're reloading, and they have, and uh, they still have three premier. Uh, defensive prospects for the just the 2023 draft. When you look at Jalen Carter on defensive line and Keely Ringo at corner and Nolan Smith, um, the first two guys, they're going to be high first-round picks, and Nolan Smith could be in the mix, uh, in the first-round mix if he has a big season. So this is a this Georgia team is stacked still, and they that's why they're three. That's why they're number three, and they're playing at home. Um, Man, I think this is going to be a butt kicking. Yeah, and even on offense, <laughs> yeah, even on offense for Georgia, you look at it, they've got guys like Broderick Jones who's projected to go in the first round, and then they had a a running back um Kenny McIntosh, right, who was on on the NFS list that Albert Breer is being threatened to get sued by, right, or whatever, or wow. or our buddies over at the draft um <laughs> the angry scout guy had a hissy fit over Breer publishing that. But yeah, Kenny McIntosh was on that top 25. And uh, I, bu- I believe, if I recall correctly, that B. John Robinson wasn't. Right. Okay, so, and they have Kendall Milton as well at running back. Um, they've got Brock Bowers, who we'll talk about next year, I'm sure, because he's in the, he's only a sophomore, but he is another yeah, one of those. And remember, he's the fourth best player in the SEC. According he, to. He's another, another tall, lanky, thin, um, but fast receiving tight end along the lines of what we were talking about when we uh, mentioned Wiley. He's even a, a much better prospect probably than that. So, And then um, or- Oregon's going to rely on – some guys that you know 
you probably haven't heard of, but the one you have is Noah Sewell, and and he's gotten a lot of a lot of run the last couple of years. He's a he's a big boy, really like big he, throwback type of linebacker. I, I was gonna say he's a throwback linebacker, and then you look at they've got another linebacker, Justin Flo. Um, so like they're gonna he's been be hurt a lot, right? Right. Yeah, and and he's they're definitely playing with the COVID rules because they're listing him as a redshirt freshman, even though he's been on campus since 2020. So <laughs> a third um, year redshirt freshman. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, you look at it, it's going to be about Dan Lanning's defense. Let's be honest, like game one, can they do enough to potentially slow down what is a not dynamic but really, really efficient and hard-nosed offense. Something that you don't say too often, but I mean, they, they, are, they are a team that grinds you down until then they can be, make explosive plays. So we saw Clemson and Georgia open last year, and that turned into like a 10-3 grind-out uh, defensive battle. And as the year went on, it became clear that Georgia was a much superior team uh, to Clemson, even though that first game appeared relatively close because it was a defensive battle. I think Georgia is going to be more secure with itself on offense, that we won't see that type of grind-out game um, that we saw last year. I do think that Bo Nix is going to struggle, but I think he still has enough to maybe generate a couple scoring drives. But if this line is seven, what is it? What did you say? 17 and a half? Yeah, 17 and a half. I'm going to take Georgia to cover that. I think, because I think Knicks is going to get the start here, but I think Knicks is on a game by game basis because until, they've got. Yeah, until the, that, redshirt freshman <laughs> comes of age, right? Like Right, right. I think they've got a I mean, I think Nix is a stopgap. They would like him to take hold of this job and, and hold on to it and take them to a double digit win season so that they can bring the young guy along. Is it Thompson? Yeah. Um but I don't know that they're gonna be able to do that. And landing as a first year guy, he's gonna be under a lot of pressure. Well, especially, especially starts out zero and one. Well, especially after what they did last year, right? Like, yeah, kind of out of the blue, unexpected. Um, and they obviously had the big upset, and now you come into this game, and obviously it wasn't their choice to move on from their coach. So I, that's the hard part for me. Like, it's not like Lanning is taking over for a guy, a beloved coach who you know retired or got got fired like he left like he just straight up yeah. left Oregon high and dry so Lanning's you know coming in and and you know they had built up their defense anyways so mm-hmm. I think that's probably the best chance that they're gonna have I just don't think their defense is gonna be good enough right now to no. to hold on so I think I, I'm with you I'm gonna go like even up to uh, 
even up to 20 and a half, I would take, I would take Georgia in this game. That's uh, big. I, I mean, I, I think it's pr- a pretty big line as it is because you're not talking about Georgia being this team that, that really pours it on. No, but I could um, see it being like 35 to 10. Like, yeah, 30. all it's going to take is a few explosive plays from Georgia yeah. and it's, it's going to kind of create separation in this game. And to be, uh, Clear. I think if Oregon was on the road this week at Ohio State, I think the result would be similar. Yeah. To what and, we're talking about. and real quick, we mentioned it, but I'm going to take Arkansas um, to beat Cincinnati and cover that and six cover. and a half. Yeah, I think I think I like gonna... that as well. I think uh, yeah, we should have mentioned that. I I think it's pretty clear that I that I'm uh, higher on KJ Jefferson than probably most people uh, draft wise that you've listened to at this point if you're listening to this show um so i think that that it's pretty clear that i'm in agreement with you seth uh i think arkansas is going to win that game as the home team and cover i like the way this team's built i like their head coach uh pitman and i think Jaden hazelwood will give you enough of the Traylon burks production provided hazelwood stays healthy that you're gonna see that team uh, be very good again this year the main event Saturday night is your Ohio State Buckeyes hosting the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And Another I mentioned and a half point line. Yeah, I mentioned this earlier. It's odd to see two top twelve teams, but two top five teams. Like, is the disparity between two and five that much? Why is Notre Dame ranked fifth? Is what is is how I would counter your question with a a question because I think no, that and, Notre and Dame I, is being gifted the number five ranking by the AP and it's I don't believe it's justified. I mean Brian Kelly has gone on to LSU. Marcus Freeman is the head coach of Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman started his head coaching career at 0-1. Granted it's bowl season and that's you know Wild West guys skipping games and this and that. But he's got to go on the road at night in prime time week one against the team that he went where he went to college where he played at Ohio State. I just think this is a tough matchup. Notre Dame's got a new quarterback, Tyler Buckner. Um, Yes, they have Michael Mayer. Michael Meyer? How do we say that? Yeah. Either way, he's coming back to direct tight end. He's he's a first-round tight prospect. But you lose your starting running back. You've lost a, a couple of receivers. I just don't think Notre Dame is deserving of a of a preseason top five. Yeah, it's a really odd ranking um, to give them, and then obviously it's different people doing the rankings or setting the lines. But I, to your point, I think it kind of states that odds makers don't respect it very much either, or maybe they're not buying it. Or just maybe the top three are so much better than everybody else right now. Like, just it's such a clear one, two, and three versus everything else that they're like, I I, I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll believe that. I mean, you've got Bama one, Buckeyes two, Georgia three. I think you could flip flop two and three and nobody would complain. You could probably flip flop um, one and three and nobody would complain too much. Right. Uh, given that that Georgia beat Alabama, right? Um, right, exactly. <laughs> but 
But After that, you're kind of grasping at straws. You got Clemson's fourth. We'll talk more about them uh, here in a few when we run through these other games to watch. But um, you got Clemson four, you got Notre Dame five, and then it's just you know I think that yeah I do think the pollsters are just kind of they don't know where to go after those top three. Yeah, and that makes it. They don't seem. There just I mean, don't seem I, to be a lot of believers in these teams beyond the, these top three, and unless you're Desmond Howard and you have a ridiculous, you know, college playoff pick that doesn't involve any of those three. Yeah, and it's just that's what will be interesting to watch, um, you know. But like you said, this is a star-studded game. We're talking about probably five potential first-round picks. Um, C.J. Stroud. Jackson Smith and Jigba and Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State, and then Michael Mayer and Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame. Um, and then there's a couple guys that are, like, right on the cusp, right? Like, you got Zach Harrison, who's still kind of meandering his way to a breakout uh, for the Buckeyes. Um, well, the thing is, Seth, you've got five potential first-round picks for the 2023 class. But Ohio State has a lot more potential first round picks down the road. Uh, we're not even talking about guys like Travion Henderson, or Marvin Harrison Jr., um, Denzel Burke, uh, Jack Sawyer, and JT Tui Moloau. These guys are all first round picks uh, a year or two or three down the road. Okay. And Notre Dame doesn't have that depth. They haven't pulled that kind of, uh, those kind of recruits. They still do a great job recruiting. I guess that's why the pollsters give them respect. But, you know, when you're talking about first-round picks, this Ohio State team is is stacked for a couple of years. And Notre Dame, I feel like they're, they're not. Well, and Notre Dame's stacked, like, at odd positions. And there's nothing wrong with having a tight end as a top, you know, 15 20 prospect in a draft there's nothing wrong with that Foskey's Foskey's a a good edge but he's not you know I don't think anybody's looking at Isaiah Foskey as like a top 10 pick right there he's he's no I mean he he would have declared last year if he was right yeah he's kind of looking at that back end and then they've got a safety in Brandon Joseph who came over from Northwestern um guy we've talked about quite a few times really good player ball hawk but you know, and, and kind so of like day two type of guy. And so you look at those guys and like they don't have the offensive linemen that you've come to expect from Notre Dame. Um and Jarrett Patterson, maybe their top offensive line prospect is questionable too. Right. Going into this weekend. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to watch. I I mean Am we, I too cocky about the game? I think Ohio State's gonna roll. I think they're gonna cover that seventeen and a half. I, I do too. And like the hard part is again, you're, you're go the, the only thing you have to go off of is like you said, a, a, a bowl performance with a new coach. Um, it's going to be interesting because it, it'll be interesting to follow the, the careers of landing and, and Freeman, two defensive kind of focused head coaches, young guys uh, who get a lot out of their guys because their guys buy into and believe in them. And like, kind of play with that fiery spirit. They're like but, Dan Campbell, right? They do up downs with the team, yeah, in warm ups and, and stuff like and, that. And, but like, what's the grace period for that rah rah stuff before you have to start seeing 
you know, the results on the field. And again, like I don't blame Notre Dame if they get blown out in this game because this was a game that was set up what three years ago or something like that. Right. <laughs> like when Brian so, Kelly was the coach. <laughs> right. When Brian Which I think Kelly, would have made it closer. Well, but that's the thing is like there's a reason that he bailed. And that's because he hasn't been able to like since their their offensive line coach left and went to the NFL, they haven't brought in the same level of talent along the offensive line, or they haven't groomed the offensive line in the same way. Um, we haven't seen them, you know, something you you and I have talked about ad nauseum with, with the Wisconsin's and Penn State's, and, you know, Notre Dame's a little different because of the academic rigor. Um, but, like, how do you not have a quarterback <laughs> at Notre Dame when you have – when you're having guys like Mayer and you're having, you know, you've had wide receivers come through there. Um, like you've had all of these weapons and pieces and offensive linemen, but you've never had a quarterback to take you to the next level. Um, and I think Buckner was a, uh, he's a four star. Yeah. He's a four star. It'll but be interesting. Look cause... at him play and you don't think there's any way he would be contending for a starting job at Ohio state or, um, Bama, Alabama or or Georgia or Clemson. I was gonna say hell even Georgia yeah right and right. so that'll be the interesting thing um you know I think you're gonna see again a similar similar to what I said about Georgia Oregon I think it's gonna be more dynamic from Ohio State um uh, you know I think it's gonna be something like you know 42 to to 14. I could I could even see Notre Dame you know, scoring more than that, but Ohio State's going to score a lot. And uh, I don't want it to sound like I don't think Marcus Freeman is a good coach. I think he's got potential to be a good coach, but I think this job is kind of big for a guy as a first-time head coach. There's going to be a ton of pressure on him. And um, I think Notre Dame would have liked to get uh, Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, but Fickle seems hell-bent on building that program. and. Well, respect and, to him for that well and like you and, and i have so, talked about before why would you leave cincinnati where you've already become a legacy it's kind of a parents and pat fitzgerald thing almost right except even better because he actually got his team to the playoff right so why why have to go try as long as they're paying you why yeah <laughs> as long as well, they're paying and, you and, big bucks you know, and it's something that Kelly said when he left, and and it's it sucks, but it also is a reality, and it's it's why David Shaw's never going to get fired from Stanford. Is like it's a lot harder at Notre Dame because there are higher academic standards, and so you know so you, there are just guys that you're not in on, and yeah, I mean, I did. I think I think very highly of Marcus Freeman. Um, I thought he did a really nice job last year as the He's DC. He's been a great defensive coach, and and I'm I hope he gets enough time to implement what he wants to do at Notre Dame. But we know how those big schools like Oregon and Notre Dame, you know, those schools are with with they want to see immediate results so yeah they're not going to tolerate notre dame's not going to like a four loss season for example um 
Freeman tried to get, I, I think he tried to get Brian Hartline on his staff, and the Buckeyes just keep promoting and uh, giving Hartline more money so that he can keep recruiting five-star receivers to that program. So it's a <laughs> good try, but uh, it didn't work out. Let me talk about Zach Harrison really quick. Uh, you mentioned him briefly. Uh, 6'6", 272. We know this guy. We've talked about him many times over the last couple of years. He's a freak. He ran a sub 4.5 in high school. He ran a sub 1,100 meters at, at like 250 pounds in high school. This kid is a monster, but he just hasn't broken out. Like he was the number two defensive end recruit behind Kayvon Thibodeau coming out of high school. Uh, he looks like, it, according to uh, my pal Dan Hope, who writes, uh, he covers the beat for 11warriors.com. He did his roster projection. He's got Harrison as number three in that defensive end rotation between behind true sophomores Jack Sawyer and JT Tuomolao. Yeah, you better, you better sure learn that name. That. Yeah. But JT T and Jack Sawyer, they, he's got them ahead of, of uh, Zach Harrison. So we've seen Zach Harrison flash. I think he had a strip sack in the opener against Minnesota. I thought, oh, this is the time. This is his year. But only seven and a half sacks through three seasons. We need to see more out of this guy. It's blown me away to see him in first-round projections over the last couple of years when he's just done nothing, nothing. to support that. And I'm rooting for this kid. He He's from Columbus. Uh the Columbus area from the suburbs and um, actually played football where my sister teaches high school. So like I've been following him for a long time. Has it has not come together for him. I would love to see it happen this year. Notre Dame does have a solid offensive line year in and year out. So it's a good test. If he can get on the field and make some plays, I'd love to see it because um, he's got all the talent in the world. He just ha- it hasn't clicked for him. Maybe he doesn't have the nasty streak because, he, he, by all counts, he is a really nice guy. And maybe he needs to be a little bit meaner. There's some other obviously big uh, teams playing bad games this weekend. Lincoln <laughs> Riley makes his uh, debut at USC. They're only 33 and a half point favorites. So uh, not much to see at there. home at home. There's against... a really, uh, yeah, rice. Sorry. I'll, I'll yeah. mention rice. That'll be the one time we mentioned rice this year. Um, there's a really interesting game in Florida and Gainesville as number seven, Utah is a three point favorite at Florida against Billy Napier in his first game and first round hyped Anthony Richardson from the Gators. Like Florida's not ranked and Utah's ranked seventh and they're only a three point favorite. That's my take on it. Yeah. But I mean, it's still odd to see you've got obviously a lot of defensive guys at, at Utah who will likely end up being like day two and day three names that, that we'll know and talk about. Um, they also have a uh, interesting tight end, Dalton Kincaid. He is, I think what? And they six, have Brent Keithy, two tight ends. Yeah. He's like six, five and um, two fifty, And so like, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Cause it's, I mean, 
Florida. I we mean, also like cornerback Clark Phillips. Yeah, how did, Clark how Phillips is the other guy. So it'll be interesting, man, because like it's is it not a little odd <laughs> that that one like you said Utah's number seven, but they're and they're only three point favorites, but also that when you have the quote unquote quarterback edge in a game you would expect i don't know i what i'm actually really interested to see this game more than anything else because utah's got a decent quarterback too cam rising he played well against ohio state we got tavian thomas so um yeah i i think utah getting respect from the pollsters but not from the odds makers is interesting you think it's um, just because it's in Gainesville? Yeah, I do think that it's because it's in Gainesville. You've got a West Coast team traveling east that usually has some kind of impact. I don't and know it's a night. It's get. a night game. It's a seven p.m. kickoff. That helps. That helps the Utes. But um, but does it in that atmosphere? Because you would expect Gainesville to be pretty hype for the the start of the. Billy Napier. Yeah. Now, now they may not when it's all said and done, but like uh, Utah State. So we're is, taking. Are we, I'm sorry, we're taking uh, USC 33 and a half over Rice. I'm buying that. Oh yeah, I I would too. I mean, so Utah three minus three at Florida. I am not buying that, and I honestly, like the Utes. Honestly, that's a game I wouldn't even touch. Like, same, same. It, I, I, I it's would, too up in the air for me because I like uh, Billy Napier. I like Florida's uh, recruits, the potential that you have on that team. They're going to have the higher, more highly touted athletes than Utah, like up and down that roster. So I wouldn't touch that. But Kyle Whittingham just wins football games. That's all he does. Unless he plays so, Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Anyway. Right. Um, uh, Utah State's going to get – they're going to be the sacrificial lamb to the start of the season for Bama, right? <laughs> uh, Bama, for- I respect Bama for taking the first week off this year because they've had in the past few years they've they tried to make it a little more challenging, but this year they they took the layup. Um, but the Aggies are one and zero; they're one of the few one and zero teams in college football. Oh, right, exactly. I mean, you got to start somewhere, and and I do. I mean. You joke Forty one and a half is a lot of points. Right. And and I know you're semi serious, semi joking about that, but like we talked about earlier, like obviously the Utah State kind of a joke to start your season with, but it's also not Alabama's fault that their week two game is kind of a clunker now because Texas hasn't been good forever. Like again, you you take that game five years ago and you're thinking, well, maybe, you know, Texas will be back up on the upswing and they've only had You have one. a lot of intrigue in that matchup though, with Sark and, and B. John Robinson, Quinn Ewers and, and things like that. Yeah. But like it's just crazy to me that yeah, like you take those and, and Texas is on their fourth head coach in that time since they agreed to the game. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so yeah, you're like, Come oh, on, man, they got not, Sark, they got a Mullet guy, Ewers. Yeah, like, yeah it's it's all coming together. This, so for, Texas is back, baby. 41 and a half. That's so much, but it's hard. It's hard to not take it, right? Like, again, I had anytime, to Google um, Utah State's mascot. It's the Aggies. I'm embarrassed yeah. to admit that. But this is a game, again, you like, 
if you're like parlaying it, you want to tease it down to like 36 and a half points, like seven or yeah, seven or six touchdowns. That's so many touchdowns. Like you're talking about, you're talking about not just six touchdowns, but then six extra points. (laughs) Utah state has one of those quarterbacks that's been in college football for like six or seven years. Logan Bonner. He played at Arkansas state, I believe before going to Utah state. Now he's on. It's like, it's like his second school that he's had three seasons with, Um, but he played a really good game, but it was against UConn, you know? So, that's I mean, who the Aggies that was, beat. Right. So if it was basketball, you take that and you run with it. <laughs> right. Um, um, 41 and, I, I don't, I mean, I'm no gambler. Well, I'm, I'm starting to get into it yeah. as you know. Yeah. We're, but, uh, we're trying to, I'm not as, to develop a habit guys. It's, it's working, <laughs> but I'm not going with 41 and a half. I'm not, no, taking I, I'm not, I, I never, any, I have a that's pretty hard. Yeah. I have a pretty hard and fast rule. Anything, Against two D one programs over thirty five and a half, I usually lay back from. Okay. So like, like I said, the thirty three and a half with Lincoln Riley, I'll take because I can five touchdowns. Okay. I'm not super worried about that, but six touchdowns starts to get on that like where you you pull guys out of the game and you right. know, you're just trying to survive to the next week. USC fin- can pull guys and still cover that line. Yeah. Finally, you've got Clemson. 21 and a half point favorites at Georgia Tech, as Justin kind of mentioned kind earlier. Kind of at Georgia Tech, right? Because it's at yeah. Mercedes Benz Stadium. Yeah, I guess. It's in technically. Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, but as Justin mentioned earlier, this is an interesting game because it's the start of the DJ Ugalele, uh redemption tour, but Clemson's ranked fourth in the country. Like,. They Again, did win the Cheez-It Bowl, so I think fairly, that's where a lot of that optimism comes from. Fairly convincingly, right? <laughs> uh, it was all right. <laughs> they are, I mean, and you wrote about them, but, like, this is a team. Now, it's going to be interesting because they're without Brett Venables for the first time. and But this team features... um I think it's three, if not four guys projected to go in the top 50 on the defensive side of the ball. So that being said, so you've got uh, Miles Murphy, uh, Brian Breesey, Trenton Simpson, who's a linebacker that's getting some, you know, good run. Um, and then who was the other guy? It's slipping my mind right now. But, um, you know, well, you look at former it. Former big-time recruits and Xavier Thomas and K.J. Henry who just haven't really – they're kind of like in that Zach Harrison category that have, hasn't really clicked. But Breesey is uh, the big name here because I think people uh, think that if he's healthy, he'd be a top-ten pick. DJU, I mean, he was a five-star recruit, a top quarterback in that class. And that was the class with Stroud and Young. And he looked way behind those two guys last year. Uh, they've got Jordan McFadden on O-line as well. But he's like, he's I think he's playing left tackle for them, but he's 6'2", 310, which is like center size for NFL. Right. So this is kind of a weird team. Um. They've got some. They've got a lot of talent, but I I just think that it's a but lot it, of talent that hasn't lived up to its potential. Well, I was gonna say, and it's interesting because isn't um, 
Dabo is supposed to be an offensive guy. You know, they lost Venables. Um, and now the kind of strength of the team is the defense right now. And so, and, and where and, are the receivers, by the way, on this team? Well, that dude, this was, I know known for pumping out receivers. This was a receiver. You even three or four years ago. And now it's, yeah. They've been usurped up. by LSU and OSU, you know, but that all that being said, Bama. it's tough on a Monday night road game to take the away team by three plus touchdowns when you're so uncomfortable with the offense that they they've put out there the last couple seasons. Like I, but it's Georgia Tech, man. I know. I'm I'm taking it all. No, I'm taking Clemson to win, but I would not take them twenty and a half. Like. The only reason I wouldn't take Clemson to cover is because, and I think you'll agree with me, I just don't have the confidence in Clemson to score that much. No, that's what I mean. I, I could yeah. see this being a 17-3 to three game. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that's why I, would, I, I wouldn't take it. I just, I mean, I think Clemson's going to win. I said a win. few weeks ago, I think there's still something there with DJU. I really do, but... We want to see it first. Yeah, we. I, like, I want to see it before I put money on it. You know, what right? I mean? Exactly, and that's what we're talking yeah. about, guys. We're not talking like obviously, like Bama's going to win the game, uh, Clemson's going to win the game, USC's going to win the game. Like those, we're not concerned. But like, obviously, the USC and Bama are huge numbers. But like Clemson, three touchdowns plus, when it doesn't feel like they even scored three touchdowns that often last season. Um, well, I, like I said, the, the, the Cheez It Bowl, they were playing Iowa State. I was there. I'm I'm watching the, I'm watching DJU and he's just not moving that offense. You know, they won that game, but it wasn't because it wasn't. of any kind of uh dynamic play on the offensive side of the ball. So I hope and I have uh you know reason to to think they'll be better at they have talent on that side of the ball, but they haven't clicked. It wouldn't be enough to put my money on. Conversely, like if you look at Ohio State, who, as we talked about, lost to Oregon early last year. But by the end of the year, you've got Stroud throwing over 500 yards and uh, Smith and Jigba catching 15 ca- passes over 300 yards in that bowl game, albeit against the depleted Utah team. You know, a lot of guys were, were hurt or not playing for some reason or another. Still, that's a team you can have confidence in offensively, and that's why I like that 17-and-a-half line. I like the Buckeyes to cover, but that's why I do not like uh, Clemson covering in this game. Right, and last year, and again, different teams, I get it, but last year. And they very well might. Yeah, but Clemson <laughs> but I only, wouldn't bet only <laughs> won last year 14-8, to eight, so it's not like. Okay, so yeah, I'm, so. yeah. Uh, hot take coming out of week zero, which is always interesting because it's again there was one like kind of headline game, uh, Nebraska and Northwestern in Ireland, and the headline of that was that uh, they ran out of beer, and so they were serving, <laughs> they were serving like gin and tonics, like, like pints of gin, and pints tonic. of gin and tonic. Can you imagine? And then they the credit card machines went down, and they were giving them away. Which is assume uh, that's how I assume they ran out of beer because, right? That's exactly yeah. what happened. So, but uh, Pro Football Network uh, Cam Malore 
did a team of the week um and you know heavily heavily dotted with northwestern players who who played well um you're gonna hear some of it on the patreon episode later this week if you want to subscribe to that you know two dollars a month you get the uh extra uh podcast uh four dollars a month you'll get a couple articles a week from justin and myself uh but this week you know like i said a lot of northwestern players on the list one not on the list guess who wasn't on the list um peter skronsky yeah and he wasn't on the first <laughs> he wasn't on the first or second team list for team of the week but so, he played really well though right right that's that's the crazy and i'm not i mean i i get it as somebody that covers that's covered like high school football and and been paid to cover high school football when you get a chance to highlight smaller schools or smaller, you know, one week, and you got a guy like Skaronsky who's being talked about as a first-round pick. You go, okay, you know what? This week we're gonna give it to the North Carolina kid, or you know, or the or the small school kid from North FA- Carolina playing against yeah, some FA- D2 FAU. School. Yeah, like I and I get it, but like yeah, so you, because that'll be the one time. Sorry, all season, FCS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one time all season that these guys are gonna get some run, <laughs> right? So I get it as somebody that's that's active. But what other Northwestern guys did he put on the team? Uh, a lot. The quarterback, <laughs> the running back, the defensive lineman, a corner, a safety, the punter. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, come on. So if you're gonna throw all those guys on, throw their best player on. Right, and and that's what was ironic because Pro Football Focus, who does similar to Pro Football Network and, and these things, he was. Skaronsky was the player of the week on offense. Not not anybody else. Not guys we'll talk about in the Patreon episode that had great offensive performances, including Skaronsky's teammate that was he was blocking for. Like yeah. North like PFF gave him the offensive player of the week. So like uh, it's just I interesting with PFF on this one, man. This is like, really that's it's just kind of a, giving me chest pains. It's just such a it it's such a baffling juxtaposition of things. Why and would you I, I don't I really don't get it. I mean, um you're you're I think you're you maybe being too cute to Yeah, and that's why I said I, I, I think sometimes I think sometimes people do that. Like they're like, oh, he's gonna be on the list every week, so I'm gonna give. Which it to is else fine if you're not gonna put like half a dozen other no- Northwestern players on your team. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Yeah. So Cam, Cam. So he's that a, was. I the, think he's a, a Columbus guy too. Uh, so disappointing, man. So that Thanks. was the that was the interesting hot take I saw this week. Is that <laughs> you had one publication not even include him in the four best offensive tackles that played this weekend. I think and, the theme is of this of this whole show is take the layups, man. Cam, take the layup, man. Skaronsky, easy call on your board this week. <laughs> um, but I forgive you. I will uh, check out your list next week. Uh, that's right. Cam Meller at uh, Pro Football Network. 
which is a site I enjoy, by the way. Yeah, I wanna, oh, I wanna yeah. Clarify that. So, so do I. I just I thought it was yeah. super interesting this week. Like, <laughs> like you said, you got to lay up and you don't take it. Uh, and, anything you know else what? before? I appreciate Cam. I appreciate Cam uh, because he's really good at spotlighting players who otherwise might be overlooked. So I want to say that it's, uh, he's a guy I followed for the last couple of years who has done a good job doing that too. So um, maybe that's what he was trying to do, but. You made the hot takes this week, bud. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Anything else before we get out of here? Just thanks to everybody for listening. Again, uh, you can subscribe to us on Patreon. Two bucks a month gets you the bonus episode every week and sometimes occasionally a free post because uh, we can't post a bonus episode for whatever reason. Um, but if you're in the $4 tier, you get access to literally everything we do ever. So um, that's the one I recommend. and. We will give you, uh, maybe I'm spoiling a hot take for later in the week, but we'll give you better takes than Carson Strong being a quarterback one, and then you uh, eventually have to see him get cut from the NFL altogether. Yeah, exactly. So we'll be back later this week with another episode for our patrons. Thanks for listening, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point. That just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes. Four dollars a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That we could be it right a, there. A read. Yeah, that's it. Right there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>